Hello, and welcome to The Journey, a daily podcast reading through the Bible. Thank you so much for joining us today. As you listen, we're going to be using the New Living Translation of God's Word. Let's start today's reading. We begin the book of Nehemiah today, reading chapters 1 through 5. These are the memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Achaia. In late autumn, in the month of Keslev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Hanani, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. And they said to me, things are not going well for those who returned to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, my days... For days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Then I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands, listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. The people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. O Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it in his heart to be kind to me. In those days, I was the king's cupbearer. Early the following spring, in the month of Nisan, during the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving the king his wine. I had never before appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, Why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified. But I replied, Long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins, and the skates have been destroyed by fire. The king asked, Well, how can I help you? With a prayer to God of with a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, If it please the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. The king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked, How long will you be gone? When will you return? After I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. 
I also said to the king, If it please the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories on my way to Judah. And please give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. I will need it to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress, for the city walls, and for the house, for a house for myself. And the king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me. When I came to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, I delivered the king's letters to them. The king, I should add, had sent along army officers and horsemen to protect me. But when Sambalat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard of my arrival, they were very displeased that someone had come to help the people of Israel. So I arrived in Jerusalem. Three days later, I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. I had not told anyone about the plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. We took no pack animals with us except the donkey I was riding. After dark, I went out through the valley gate, past the jackal's well, and over to the dung gate to inspect the broken walls and burned gates. Then I went to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but my donkey couldn't get through the rubble. So though it was still dark, I went up the Kidron Valley instead, inspecting the wall before I turned back and entered again at the valley gate. The city officials did not know that I had been there, out there, or what I was doing. For I had not yet said anything to anyone about my plans. I had not yet spoken to the Jewish leaders, the priests, nobles, officials, or anyone else in the administration. But now I said to them, You know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Then I told them about how, how the gracious hand of God had been with me and about my conversation with the king. They replied at once, Yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. But when Sambalat, Tobiah, and Geshem, the Arab, heard of our plan, they scoffed contemptuously. What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king? they asked. I replied, The God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, will re start rebuilding this wall, but you have no share, legal right, or historic claim in Jerusalem. Then Eliashib, the high priest, and the other priests started to rebuild at the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set up its doors, building the wall as far as the Tower of a Hundred, which they dedicated, and the Tower of Haniel. People from the town of Jericho worked next to them, and beyond them was Zechor, son of Amri. 
The fish gate was built by the sons of Hassaniah. They laid the beams, set its doors, and installed its bolts and bars. Merimoth, son of Uriah, the grandson of Hakaz, repaired the next section of wall. Beside him were Meshalam, son of Berechiah, the grandson of Meshzebabal, and from and then Zadok, son of Bani. Next were the people of Tekoya, though their leaders refused to work with the construction supervisors. The old city gate was repaired by Joadai, son of Mashal and Pashel and Mishalam, son of Bersadiah. They laid the beams, set up the bolt, the doors, and installed its bolts and bars. Next to them were Melathiah and from Gibeon, Jadon from Maranoth, people from Gibeon and people from Mitzpah, the headquarters of the governor of the province west of the Euphrates River. Next was Uzazel, son of Horasiah, a goldsmith by trade, who also worked on the wall. Beyond him was Hananiah, the manufacturer of perfumes. They left out a section of Jerusalem as they built the broad wall. Riphai, son of Hur, the son, leader of the half district of Jerusalem, was next to, on, to them on the wall. Next, Jedediah, son of Hafraf, repaired the wall across from his own house, and next to him was Hatush, son of Hashadiah. They came to Malkajiah, son of Haram, and Hashub, son of Palaf Moab, who repaired another section of the wall, and the tower of the ovens. Salem, son of Hoesh, and his daughters repaired the next section. He was the leader of the other half of the district of Jerusalem. The valley gate was repaired by the people of Zanana, son led by Hanun. They set up its doors and installed its bolts and bars. They also repaired 1,500 feet of the wall to the Dung Gate. The Dung Gate was repaired by Maklajiah, son of Rechab, the leader of the Beth Herakam district. He rebuilt it, set up its doors, and installed its bolts and bars. The fountain gate was repaired by Shalom, son of Kolhaza, the leader of the Mitzpah district. He rebuilt it, re- roofed it, set up its door, and installed its bolts and bars. Then he repaired the wall of the pool of Siloam near the king's garden, and he rebuilt the wall as far as the stairs that descended from the city of David. Next to him was Nehemiah, son of Azbuk, the leader of the half of the district of Beth-zur. He rebuilt the wall from a place across from the tombs that, of David's family, as far as the water reservoir and the house of the warriors. Next to him, repairs were made by the group of Levites working under the supervision of Rehom, son of Bani. Then came Hashbaniah, the leader of the half of the district of Kelai, who supervised the building of the wall on the behalf of his own district. 
Next down the line were his countrymen, led by Munai, son of Hedad, and the leader of the other half of the district of Kilaya. Kilai. Next to them, Ezer, son of Jeshua, the leader of Mitzpah, repaired another section of the wall across from the ascent to the armory near the angle of in the wall. Next to him was Barak, son of Zabadai, who zealously repaired an additional section from the angle to the door of the house of Eliashib, the high priest. Merimoth, son of Uriah and grandson of Hakaz, rebuilt another section of the wall extending from the door of Eliashib's house to the end of the house. The next repairs were made by priests from the surrounding region. After them, Benjamin and Hashab repaired the section across from their house, and Azariah, son of Masaniah, the grandson of Ananiah, repaired the section across from his house. Next was Benai, son of Hinadad, who rebuilt another section of the wall from Azariah's house to the angle and to the corner. Paolo, son of Uzziah, carried on the work from a point opposite of the angle and the tower that projects up from the king's upper house beside the court of the, of the guard. Next to him were Pedai, son of Perush, with the temple servants living on the hill of Ophrah, who repaired the wall as far as the point across from the water gate to the east and the projecting tower. Then came the people of Tekoya, who repaired another section across from the great projecting tower and over to the wall of Ophrah. Ophel. Above the horse gate, the priests repaired the wall. Each one repaired the section immediately across from his own house. Then Zadok, son of Emer, also rebuilt the wall across from his own house. And beyond him was Shemaniah, son of Shechaniah, the gatekeeper of the east gate. Next, Hananiah and Shemaniah, and the and Hanan, the son of Zeph, repaired another section, while Meshalam, son of Berechiah, rebuilt the wall across from where he lived. Malchijai, one of the goldsmiths, repaired the wall as far as the housing for the temple servants and the merchants across from the inspection gate. Then he continued as far as the upper room at the corner. The other goldsmiths and merchants repaired the wall from the corner to the sheep gate. Sambalat was very angry when he heard when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Samarian army officers, "What does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think that they're doing?" Do they think that they can build the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think that they can make something of stones from the rubbish heap and charred ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, That stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked along the top of it. 
Then I prayed, Hear us, O God, for we are being mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their own heads, and may they themselves be captives in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins, for they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders. At last the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city, for the people had worked with enthusiasm. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs, Ammonites, and Ashdaites heard that the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were furious. They all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. But we prayed to our God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. Then the people of Judah began to complain, The workers are getting tired, and there is so much rubble to be moved. We will never be able to build the wall by ourselves. Meanwhile, our enemies were saying, Before they know what's happening, we will swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. The Jews who had li- who lived near the enemy came and told us again and again, They will come from all directions and attack us. So I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. I stationed the people to stand guard by families armed with swords, spears, and bows. Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. When our enemies heard that we, that, that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. But from then on, only half my men worked while the other half stood guard with spears, sword, with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. The laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting their load and one hand holding a weapon. All the builders had a sword belted to their side. The trumpeteer stayed with me to sound the alarm. Then I explained to the nobles and officials and all the people, the work is very spread out and we are widely separated from each other along the gate. When you hear the blast of the trumpet, rush to wherever it is sounding, then our God will fight for us. We worked early and late, from sunrise to sunset, and half the men were always on guard. I also told everyone living outside the walls to stay in Jerusalem. That way, they and their servants could help us with guard duty at night and work during the day. During this time, none of us, not I, nor my relatives, nor my servants, nor the guards who were with me, ever took off our clothes. We carried our weapons with us at all times, even when we went for water. About this time, some of the men and their wives raised a cry of protest against their fellow Jews. They were saying, we have such large families, we need more food to survive. Others said, we have mortgaged our fields, vineyards, and homes to get food during the famine. 
And others said, we have had to borrow money on our fields and vineyards to pay our taxes. We belong to the same family as those who are wealthy, and our children are just like theirs. Yet we must sell our children into slavery just to get enough money to live. We have already sold some of our daughters, and we are helpless to do anything about it. For our fields and vineyards are already mortgaged to others. When I heard their complaints, I was very angry. After thinking it over, I spoke out against these nobles and officials. I told them, you are hurting your own relatives by charging interest when they borrow money. Then I called a public meeting to deal with the problem. At the meeting, I said to them, we are all doing all that we can to redeem our Jewish relatives who have had to sell themselves to pagan foreigners, but you are selling them back into slavery again. How often must we redeem them? And they had nothing to say in their defense. Then I pressed further. What you are doing is not right. Should you not walk in the fear of our God in order to avoid being mocked by our by the enemy nations? I myself, as well as my brothers and my workers, have been lending the people money and grain, but now let us stop this business of charging interest. You must restore their fields, vineyards, olive groves, and homes to them this very day and repay the interest you have charged when you lent them money, grain, new wine, and olive oil. They replied, We will give back everything and demand nothing more from the people. We will do as you say. Then I called the priests and made the nobles and officials swear to do what they had promised. I shook out the folds of my robe and said, If you fail to keep your promise, may God shake you like this from your homes and from your property. The whole assembly responded, Amen, and they praised the Lord. And the people did as they promised. For the entire twelve years that I was governor of Judah, from the twentieth year to the thirty-second year of the reign of King Artaxerxes, neither I nor my officials drew on our official food allowance. The former governors, in contrast, had laid heavy burdens on the people, demanding a daily ration of food and wine besides the forty pieces of silver. Even their assistants took advantage of the people. But because I feared God, I did not act this way. I also devoted myself to working on the wall and refused to acquire any land. And I required all my servants to spend time working on the wall. I asked for nothing, even though I, I regularly fed 150 Jewish officials at my table, besides all the visitors from other lands. The provisions I paid for each day included one ox, six choice sheep or goats, and a large number of poultry. And every ten days we needed a large supply of all kinds of wine, yet I refused to claim the governor's food allowance because the people already carried a heavy burden. Remember, O oh my God, all that I have done for these people, and bless me for it. In today's reading, we see that, that Nehemiah is, is challenged and concerned about build, rebuilding the wall there in Jerusalem. And because of this, 
he goes to Jerusalem. And there the people work together. They are of one mind to rebuild the walls of the city. But we also see that the people are taking advantage of one another. You see, we see the what you should do and what you should not do with your fellow people. We see that the people were taking advantage of one another and this was not right. But to work together so that the, the a task can be accomplished is exactly what we should do. In our own lives, may we do the same. May we work together in all areas where we can. And may we never take advantage of one another. For this is the way that the Lord wants us to live. Thank you again for joining us for the journey. Please be sure to share this podcast. Today's reading was from the New Living Translation of the Holy Bible and used with permission. Have a blessed day, and we hope that you'll join us again tomorrow.